Hello and welcome. I'm George Baldwin and I'm excited to announce our new podcast, Keeping It Real Estate. In this podcast, we will be talking in depth about the property world, interviewing local people, giving you an insight into people's property journey, current issues and what the future holds. I hope you enjoy listening. Welcome back to episode two, where we're going to see more of an insight from James. Hope you enjoy. You know, obviously you speak to a lot of clients as well. So, um, you know, I wanted to sort of maybe just touch base, you know, I hope that you speak to landlords as well and stuff like that. So what sort of things would you be advising uh, as a key advice to them at the moment? So I think there's two things to bear in mind as a Mm -hmm. residential landlord. Firstly, is I think a lot of people at the moment, because of the impacts of the COVID pandemic, are quite cautious. Yeah. Um, you've also obviously got the tax regime changes, so you can't, if you've got a property that you own yourself personally, you can't claim value mortgage in the same year as to be able to. Yeah. And I think there's been a lot of caution around those. There doesn't necessarily need to be the level of concern that I think some people entering that market have. And when okay. you deal with established landlords, you quite often see that they're not as worried about market changes in terms of residential lettings because yeah. it's generally seen to be relatively stable. Yeah. One of the things that I would say that I've seen more and more is you've got to remember that the government's current pro- sort of programme of legislation yeah. is making dealing with residential property more and more complicated. Yeah. Okay. So you've got electrical safety requirements, gas safety requirements, energy performance requirements. All these things are getting more and more onerous, mm-hmm. and that's just a few of the things you need to comply with. Yeah. The most important advice I can give anyone in the residential lettings industry or looking to get into it is if you haven't dealt with it before or you haven't dealt with issues with your tenants, mm-hmm. get a decent letting agent. Okay. Um, because fundamentally, letting agents do two things. One is they take a huge amount of stress out of the process of acquiring tenants. Yeah. And you pay a fee for that, but it generally is relatively reflective of the fact that they, they're dealing with that. Yeah. And then whether your property is managed or not, one of the things that all letting agents should be doing when they're onboarding your tenants is advising you on your requirements. Yeah. So they'll go through all your requirements, your EPC, your gas safety certificate, etc. Mm. And what I would say is, when I get a client who comes to me that's fallen out with a tenant, mm. the tenant stopped paying the rent or any mm. issues like that, mm. where they've got a letting agent, it's one email to the letting agent, the letting agent sends me all the details, um, and we can move on. Yeah. And the yeah. cost reflects that. And the timescales involved in dealing with the process reflect it as well. Mm-hmm. Where you've got a client that's dealt with residential lettings themselves, and they can have done that for many years, yeah, sure. quite successfully, sure. they're not getting those regular updates that the residential letting industry gets through their professional bodies, or mm-hmm. that we get through our professional bodies, mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. know that regulations are always changing. Yeah. And it's very easy for them to innocently be caught out. So what I would say is if you're a landlord who has an established portfolio and you're not looking at having it managed or instructing an agent, mm. engage with stuff like local landlord groups. I mean, we've got, there's a Gloucestershire landlord group that we do stuff with CGT on yeah. that's available on yeah, Facebook, thank you. Yeah, yeah. which is really good. Yeah. Um, and again, it's all about resource sharing. There are various online resources as well. Landlords, all I would say is get as much information as you can. Mm-hmm. And if you're concerned, speak to a letting agent. Yeah. The reality is that they take a huge amount of stress out of the process. Mm-hmm. And... Put simply, if you do have a problem at the end, you have a tenant that doesn't pay the rent, firstly, you're reducing the risk of that because yeah. you're doing proper credit checks and referencing on any tenants you take on board. Yeah. And secondly, if you do get an issue, typically they offer insurance products that cover you for any period where you haven't got a rental coming in. Mm-hmm. And also, they've got all your documents in check. Mm-hmm. So worst case scenario, if you have to really need to get possession of your property back, yeah. it's the least expensive it possibly could have been because you've done everything correctly and yeah. it's going to take the minimum. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's good advice. And I think, you know, 
is correct in this sort of way you need to be educated if you're first time and I think that's really really good advice but but equally you know touching base on on you know the experienced landlords it's good to sort of hear that they're not as worried or cautious you know I think it, it, it's still um, remaining good over overall but you know have you sort of experienced any sort of uh, changes to, to, to investors out there as well I just wanted to sort of maybe you mean his approach to them yeah yeah um, one of the things I have seen probably from a residential letting perspective is diversification okay yeah. so your traditional nice. buy to let landlord let's say you're someone who's at the point of retirement mm. quite often what people were doing is they were cashing a lump sum out of their pension they were using it to buy or for a percentage of the deposit for a buy-to-let property and then renting it out to a single family. Yeah. The benefit to that is very straightforward. Yeah, okay, so good. You get, one, you get one family in, they pay you a decent rent for the property, you've mm. got reliance on that family to provide you an income. Yeah. The downside to that is that you haven't spread your risk. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that we've noticed is a lot more, or I've noticed, a lot more landlords are buying slightly lower value properties, mm-hmm. but where previously they might have bought, let's say if you're looking at Cheltenham, they might have bought one terraced house yeah, yeah, yeah. for £250,000, mm-hmm. they're now buying two flats for 125000 each. The reason for that is that A, they're lower value investments, mm-hmm. typically that in the market, as you've seen, is doing extremely well from yeah. a capital growth perspective. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and also in terms of income, mm-hmm. if one of your tenants stops paying their rent, you've still got half your rent coming in. Yeah. Um, we're like, I mean, it's an industry where you hear horror stories. You mm-hmm. only have to watch Can't Pay, Take It Away or anything <laughs> like that to get an impression. It's, it's, a, it's a favourite. <laughs> yeah, but it, it gives the impression that it's an extremely high-risk industry. In reality, yeah. if you think about the volume of buy-to-let property, it's yeah, huge yeah. as a percentage terms of the market. The Could you give a percentage right now? No. <laughs> I believe, I believe, but I, I read something at the, the lower end of the scale, it's more than 60% of properties in the sort of 250,000 really? bracket, I believe, are buy-to-let. Mm-hmm. Um, it also varies from area to area. I mean, if you look at, for example, Gloucester Docks yeah. is a high value area per square foot for that yeah. area. Yeah. Um, huge amount of that is residential lettings. Mm-hmm. Um, again, because the return investment mm-hmm. for the capital outlay to buy a flat in the docks versus the rental income is a really good multiplier. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's one of the things that I think why landlords are moving towards a lot of flats or mm-hmm. smaller purchases mm-hmm. is diversification mm-hmm. and also the return on investment. But yeah. simply, at the moment, mortgage rates are low. If you're a landlord in a, who's in a position where you can, instead of buying one property outright, buy two or more properties subject to a small mortgage, yeah. you can actually make your money work for you a lot harder. Subject yeah. to making sure you get important, the important thing is good financial advice. Yeah. And that's yeah. one of the things that I think also the advantages of engaging with an agent mm. is they're going to give you a contact, if nothing else, of mm-hmm. someone who can deal with your tax liabilities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think. Um great advice and, and and you know i think um you know that splitting i think a lot of people are definitely doing that in, in terms of you know not just going after one and sort of seeing that capital growth i think a lot of people have maybe maybe just being a bit smarter with their money i think that a lot of people have been a bit being a bit smarter which is which is a good thing you know it's not there to just be spent all the time maybe i don't know being smart with your money is is, is a good thing so um, yeah, thanks for giving us an insight there. It's really, really good. Um, how, how do you think uh, things will, will sort of um, plan out in the lettings market in the future? What, what, where, where do you see it, may I ask? Well, I think coming back to our previous point about people moving online, I think more and more lettings, parts of the lettings industry is going to be done remotely. Mm. I mean, you've got a situation where you'll be very familiar with how quickly stuff's moving in the moment and not just sales. Residential lettings, 
you've got properties coming on and going off sometimes within the same day. Yep. Um, because of that, I think all of the technology that has come in over the last year or so in residential sales, things like the 3D scanners that allow you to have a sort of virtual walk around a property, in residential lettings where the margins are tighter yeah. and the turnaround can be much, much quicker, mm-hmm. it's going to be massively useful. I mean, you've got situations where people move into an area, can go online, they can go on your on CDC's website, let's say, they can enter an area that they want to look for a property in, they can look at all the information they need online, and they can theoretically make their entire commitment to yeah. that letting electronically, yeah. which has to be a positive step in terms of people's convenience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think in terms of residential lettings generally, it's an area where you look at the current layout of property as a market mm-hmm. is growing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's unfortunate that it's growing from a capital perspective, people getting on the ladder, but the reality is property is getting more and more expensive. Yeah, um, traditionally, it's always been a stable investment. Obviously, mm-hmm. there's risk in all things. You can't guarantee yeah. the market's going to carry on doing well, but traditionally, over a longer period, the property market tends to grow, Yeah, yeah. Um, which means naturally, unfortunately, more people are renting. Yeah. Um, which means it's theoretically as good a time as ever, if not better, to be moving into that market from an investment perspective. Yeah. Especially if you're doing what many of our clients do, which is diversifying, and you are getting those sort of buy-to-let properties where you're getting a flat. And again, where your capital risk is minimised because you're as part of a residential block. So you, yeah. you haven't got the risk of the boiler suddenly exploding, potentially, mm-hmm. if you're buying a new build property. No, sure. Um, I think what I would say in terms of the market generally is that it's going to be changing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's got to, um, from the nature of the residential sales bits that have been going on over the last how many months, and mm-hmm. the stamp duty exemption and stuff like that. And I th- also think in terms of residential lettings, we've got to be aware that the government has made very clear that they're intending to make changes in residential lettings. Mm-hmm. Fundamentally, I think they intend to give residential tenants more security. Mm-hmm. And because of that, they're going to have to make the process for landlords getting possession back mm-hmm. when tenants have had been an issue simpler and that's broadly what they've said do you see that being a problem though no no it's okay. a positive step i mean in terms of some of the guidance that we've had out from the um various government organizations in terms of residential lettings they've intimated various things such as making the court process for residential lettings available online yeah so for example we've got um possession claim online now which is where landlords can theoretically file their own application it's not an overly user friendly system if okay. i'm being completely honest yeah yeah that's right professional advice at this point. Yeah, okay. Um, but, but that can only improve, right? If, but yeah. if you look at the money claim online system, mm-hmm. um, which again landlords can use if they just want to recover the rent from their tenant, that is effectively plug and play. Mm-hmm. You put the details in, it's big buttons, it's user friendly. Mm-hmm. The suggestion from the government is that they want to move towards that process with residential repossessions as well. Yeah. So what they're saying to landlords is, we need to give tenants more security because mm-hmm. currently they don't have any security when they rent a property from you. You can give them notice and they have to leave. Yeah. So we want to give tenants more security in the lettings market. Yeah. But at the same time, we acknowledge that we want to encourage growth in the residential investment market. Yeah. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at the process for getting possession back and we're going to aim to make it cheaper and simpler. Yeah. We haven't got any firm outline of what that's going to look like, mm. but they're making all the right noises. Yeah, okay. I think... Um, you know, you're right. You know, tenants are, are don't have that security, but but equally, tenants are staying longer. We're we're definitely experiencing that. Probably on average, I would say we're up to probably 24 months as an average length of tenancy. And you think, gosh, that's amazing. When it used to maybe be, you know, nearer to 12 months as an average. You know, it's almost doubled. But but um, yeah, it's definitely an interesting sort of insight that you sort of touch base. That obviously, it's going to have that. Um, 
a no effect to, to, to what the, what is definitely going to be happening with the change of the Section 21. I, I, I personally, if I can just chip in, I think it will have an effect. And I think, um, I think personally, it will make, we might see some landlords getting out because of that complication, that it's maybe too hard to get a tenant possession back. So I think maybe there might be a little bit of a flurry of people getting out, but then equally, we might see a bounce back with people then buying those properties because they are good investments. But um, yeah, thanks for touching base there. I think it's it's really good. Um, I think, uh, uh, you know, it's... Um, so you, you've obviously... How long have you been in this industry for? Sorry, let's just go back. So, I mean, I've worked in legal services since about 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been doing residential possession work since about 2017, so about four years. Um, and the industry, even in that period, has changed substantially mm. um, the courts generally accept that landlords are in a difficult position yeah and especially during covid they've had to take a very i would say soft brush approach to repossessions because they're cautious of making people homeless and then having nowhere else to go etc yeah one of the things that i think because of that we're going to see is a clarification of the process over time yeah i think it's an area where i have got several clients who are excellent landlords they look after their tenants they look after their properties who for one reason or the other have been caught out by a paperwork technicality that has then made it difficult for them to get possession of their property back. Um, And that's where I come back to that point about professional advice at the right Mm -hmm. stage. Anything that you have, any problem that you potentially have with a tenancy, 99% of them, they start before you even hand the tenant the keys. Yeah, nice. So going back to your situation where you've got Mm -hmm. a two-year letting, you've got Mm -hmm. two situations where you've signed a two-year letting agreement, Mm -hmm. where you've done it yourself, your tenancy agreement maybe isn't that good or you're using mm. a template you found online. Yeah. There are various reasons why you shouldn't do that because there are <laughs> things within a tenancy agreement that we would draft or you'd get from a professional agent that would allow you to recover your costs, for example, in getting a tenant out, yeah. which would be a large sum of money. Yes. Um, but when you look at that process, if you've got a tenant that you've just secured yourself and you have a problem and you haven't complied with it, it's not the quickest process to get them out. Yeah. If you've appointed an agent... And let's say you've taken out rental insurance as part of that process, which a lot of agents include as part of their management package or mm-hmm. management fee, mm-hmm. um, or it's a nominal fee per month, you've got a situation where you've effectively got two years of guaranteed income. And, and if you have a problem with the tenant, mm-hmm. quite often that insurance policy, and I, or I've dealt with CGT's clients before, um, the policy or the estate agents themselves do so much of the legwork that what you've got is a much lower risk investment. Yeah. So I think that's one of my key takeaways for a landlord, is if mm-hmm. you're getting into the market, use an agent without doubt, mm. use an agent or get professional advice. But mm. typically, if I'm honest, it's more cost-effective to appoint an agent on your first letting mm-hmm. than it is to pay us to review a tenancy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other side of that coin is if you're an established landlord mm. who's been doing it for a long time, has got a large portfolio, engage with local landlord groups and also don't be don't be cautious of getting advice. Okay. What I would say is we've got I've got a lot of clients who've got established portfolios and mm-hmm. it's very easy with them as excellent landlords to mm. still get caught out. Sure, sure, so, sure. sure. If you're concerned, get in contact with someone, whether it's a local agent or it's with us mm. or a landlord's agent uh, or a landlord association online. I'd be very cautious to engage in forums and stuff like that because people do make mistakes. But mm. as long as you're getting competent professional advice in the current market, I think that's really important. Yeah. Because if you get residential lettings right, they mm-hmm. can be a really good investment and a very stable investment. Mm-hmm. Um, and as part of, for example, pension planning, they should be something you're discussing with your independent financial advisor and you should be looking at your sort of overall financial planning as a whole. 
because whilst they're not guaranteed and they're not, there's risk in all things, especially with any form of investment. Yeah. Traditionally, residential lettings have been quite a stable part of the industry to be invested in. And yeah. property generally, I mean, you'll, you'll be well aware of this. Sort of, if you look at property prices in the sort of 80s, 90s, and now, yeah. how that projection looks on a graph, property investments traditionally speak for themselves. Yeah, just gone up in a in a sort of in a in a rocket kind of kind of ship kind of thing. So, yeah, I think uh, you're right. It's it's a stable and and we hope that it will remain stable. I think we've got a a lot of um, sort of issues that that could come, but you obviously try and rectify those by being prepared in the world that you know obviously is ever changing. And I think. You know, you're right. You, it is. It would be the best advice to, to seek professional advice because it's never more apparent that, that we need to get things correct. And that that's hopefully what you portray here today. Hopefully, being uh, on this podcast, I think um, you know it's it's very important to be correct. Um, and uh, hopefully, that's that, that's a good insight to to this uh, podcast today. But. Um, James, I mean, thank you, thank you. We were obviously uh, coming to the end of the podcast, uh, and we um, uh, need to sort of wrap wrap this up. But is there anything else you want to want to share today? Is there anything? I know? think I just talk in terms of the property industry generally. I think a lot of people are cautious about the end of the stamp duty exemption. And yeah. one of the things I would say is advice that I was given by a family member, which is that when you look at property as a whole, mm-hmm. there are dips and there are troughs. So yeah. There are short periods where the property market does ha- is impacted by stuff like stamp duty exemptions and stuff like that. But if you're in property for the long game, and property tends to be a longer-term investment than some others, mm-hmm. um, even if the market does face any difficulties following the stamp duty exemption coming to an end, it should recover. We yeah. can't guarantee that it will, but yeah. history dictates that it probably will. Yeah. So I'd encourage people, is if you are in a situation where you're looking at your property investments, or you're looking at your residential property that you occupy, and it's not they're not meeting your needs and you want to move, I wouldn't write off looking at this point just because the stamp duty exemption is coming to an end. Yeah. Property market is still extremely buoyant. Mm-hmm. We've got new builders who are building thousands of houses across the UK at every tier of the property spectrum, whether you're a first-time buyer or you're looking for a multi-bedroom property with a double garage. Yeah. Um, and I think people just need to be pragmatic. Okay. The reality is you can't yeah, spend the house you live in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. make sure, especially at the moment with people's work, and lifestyle balance is changing, yeah. the most important thing is that your property, either your residential property you live in or your residential property portfolio works for you and it does what you need it to do. Yeah, nice. Well, I think, um, nicely nicely said to sort of round up, um, obviously we we um, appreciate what, what James has sort of said today and, and you know, obviously if there are any uh, any concerns in that sort of field, we would highly recommend Winnings and James himself um, and do, do get in touch uh, if you need any sort of uh, residential sort of a- advice here from solicitors. So uh, that's all for today. Um, we might be back for episode two soon um, and hopefully you can tune in. So thank you.